All right, welcome back to Two Knicks Talk Sports, Episode 8. We are um, coming live a day later than usual. Um, Nick and I went to Providence College Basketball opening night last night, so a uh, day later that we're recording currently. But um, Episode 8, we're going to dive into uh, a number of topics. So we'll start out with some PC opening night, how they did. Um a few Celtics minutes to touch on the Udoka situation, how the Celtics are doing, and then jump right into week nine of the NFL season, the recap from the week previous, and then week 10, um, preview some games that are upcoming. Uh, but before we jump into everything, I'm Nick Minocchio here with Nick St. Lawrence. How, uh, how are we doing? We're doing all right, man. Another week in the books. Here we are. Week eight of podcast. I would have never thought, uh, we we're going to get off the ground and running and, uh, this is something that I look forward to now every week, so um, happy to be here. Yeah, I was I was I was happy to go to PC last night and, and go to the game and whatnot, but it was um, it was weird actually, kind of missing the the one night. I don't know, maybe we record in the car or something next time we go to a Tuesday night game. Um, but yeah, all is well. Uh, good week of of NFL coverage. Uh, the bets did pretty well um, last week. Had a good week in fantasy. I made a few moves, made a few trades. Um, doing all right overall, so um, can't complain. But jumping into uh, into PC and uh, the opening night game, they played the Ryder Broncos, and we all kind of jumped over to what is now the Amp, used to be Dunkin' Donuts Center, the Amp last night, thinking that we were going to see you know a 30-point snooze fest and kind of leave with eight to ten minutes to go in the second half, and that's. That's not how it went, was it? No, absolutely not. Um, I went to, uh, We went to the first exhibition game. They looked really good. It was kind of hard to gauge how good we actually were because um, we kind of were able to do whatever we wanted. Um, we actually played a, a decent opponent last night who shot amazingly from the floor, both inside and, most importantly, from the three-point line. And we were kind of on our heels the whole time trying to figure out what our identity was, trying some new stuff, figuring around our rotations and uh it wasn't in the first half that's for sure no uh, and and Cooley starting out i think i mean we talked about this but Cooley starting out zone it made no sense i mean yeah. the pc was obviously the the better team and the more athletic team they're much bigger i mean hopkins plays kind of like the like a three four swing but he's i mean he's big croswell's humongous um the guards are, are not small. I mean, Bynum's not big, but Locke and Carter are both larger guards, um, especially in front of the guy, the kids that were playing from Ryder. They started out zone. Ryder started out hot, shooting the ball, and they never really stopped the shot. Almost 65% from three for the game. Um, PC, I mean, this was the, the the standout stat for me. PC shot 43 free throws. Ryder shot 10, and PC still only won by one, uh, which was just a very strange statistic. Usually, if someone shoots 43 free throws in a game a team they're gonna be typically blowing out a team um, and that's just not what happened the second half was much different though I mean they outscored Ryder in the second half by 11 which is probably more along the lines where we thought the game was going to be for the whole the whole game you know somewhere around that 20 point mark for the win but you know a W is a W uh, they start out 1-0 um, they got a they got another hopefully another snooze fest coming up on Saturday in Northeastern but they need to shoot the ball better than 36%. Yeah, I, I think I'll do a lot of things better. I think, you know, um, in the beginning of the game, not only the zone was a terrible mistake. And it was a I think I, I think, like, you, you said it best. Like, 
we just got all these guys from like big time schools, right? You know, Indiana, North Carolina, Kentucky, Florida, UConn. Um, you know, so when you get these players from all these places, like we need to be playing, man. You, just like you said, you get this top grade talent for a reason. Um, you don't need to resort to zone at that point. Let these guys with their athleticism, you know, um, showcase their skills. Um, that's number one. Number two. We were so passive offensively. We were trying to be un. I think everyone didn't want to be considered like you know selfish. So everyone was passing the ball to the point where they weren't taking the shots they should have. Um, or missing missing easy bunnies. Croswell was a force, but even he made some you know lapses. You know up faking, being very hesitant. You know to go up strong after a rebound, um, and then Hopkins not being able to finish and. I mean, the biggest thing here is the free throws. You said it best. I mean, yeah, we they the missed, line a thousand times, and we shot horrendously. They missed so many of them. And a lot of the free throws, they shot two free throws when it should have been the bucket and one. They missed so many bunnies around the basket. So, I mean, um, Ed Cooley said it himself today. He was like, I was the you know free throws coach, you know, uh, blame me. And, yeah, I mean, he's taking accountability as the leader of the team. Um, he thanked, you know, um, the fans. And I will say for uh, – I, granted, it was opening night, but for a Ryder basketball game, the amp was packed, and uh, it was awesome. I think there's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be electric in there all year, especially if we start rolling. Um, Northeastern, kind of a late game on Saturday, so we'll see. Hopefully they start funneling the ball through Hopkins early, and that's how they, you know, find their offense. I think that's the best bet. He looked like the best player um, offensively anyways on our team. Yeah, I mean, Hopkins should be in that 20-point range every night, if not more. Because he, I, I mean, especially before they start the Big East play, he's going to be the best player on the court. And he's he's not the biggest player on the court, but he, he's the most NBA-type body on the court. Uh, he goes to the basket, and he goes to the basket at will. I mean, he just didn't finish any of the shots. He was 3 for 10 Then you got the Then you got the two big guys, well, three big guys, Castro, you know, Clifton Moore, and um, Croswell, to pick up the slack or dump it down, you know, if he's cutting. And then Carter's kind of like a do-it-all jackknife guy, uh, odd-looking shot, but he's a, definitely a player. And then Noah Locke and Bynum can shoot. So, <clears throat> you know, that I think, like I said, I think they facilitate the offense through Hopkins. But either way, it was good. Like you said, a win's a win. I don't care if it's 1-20, it's still a W. Uh, moving on to Northeastern. So happy that it's uh, the season is here. We'll touch base on them um, on a weekly basis and kind of just give an update of where they're at. And obviously once they get into the Big East play, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about whether they're ranked at that point and, and so on and so forth. So I um, just wanted to start out with some PC, uh, some local college basketball here that we're, you know, kind of both excited for. Um, on to the pros and uh, another team, I guess, that we're excited about right now is the Celts. So kind of two different stories, you know, that we wanted to touch on. One was the actual basketball, obviously, that the Celts are playing. But then the, the, the first and foremost was the story that came out I'm not even sure when it came out, Monday, Tuesday, that the Nets were going to move away from signing Udoka at this point. And and then I believe they signed Vaughn, was it this morning that yeah, they had sent morning. that over? Yeah. Uh, they, they Vaughn was the interim coach, Jock Vaughn, and he was extended for the rest of the season and I believe into next year as well. So they guaranteed him you know, the next whatever uh, season and a half um, to be the coach, which seems like Brooklyn's played well since he took over, but um, where does this leave 
the Celts and Yudoka at this point, like, where do they go with him? Do they try to move him to another team? Do they just sit on him as, like, a, a valuable chip piece or a trade piece? Um, like, where do they go with him from here? I mean, I love the, the conversation and the thought. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I can breathe, you know, a, a breath of fresh air knowing that he's not going to a rival. It was, you know, for absolutely nothing, which we were pretty passionate about last week um, during our pod. But there was questions we didn't know when we recorded last week. And, like, the very next day, Smart and, you know, other players, you know, um, expressed their frustration with Yudoka leaving, saying that they just thought he was suspended from the team, not, you know, um, not from the NBA. And, like, maybe they'd, he'd be their coach, you know, um, next year. And which kind of just left me as a fan with more questions because it's like, all right, what what is really going on is – clearly not communication through our team so i mean best case scenario would be that you know he coaches again right for us um that's not looking like it's the case and if that's not the case then yeah trying to get compensation for him in some means um you know uh, but either way i just don't want him to be a distraction for us uh so i mean whatever that means then that's what i want because you know we're playing pretty good we're coming off you know, a good win against Memphis. We're winning right now tonight. Um, um, so I think we got to shore up our defense. We were talking about that off air, but uh, definitely if we can get some compensation for for the coach would be a, a plus. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with him. I, I, I would assume this would be something that they would just kind of shelf it for the rest of the season and then move on. I don't think it would be another team that they would, I guess, essentially move him to, but who knows. Um, it would probably be an off-season thing, I guess, at this point, if he does move. Unless a coach gets fired, you know, unless... Which is possible. Obviously, like, the Nash thing that, that they moved on. But, you know, uh, just a, a team that could be a contender or thinks that they're a contender fires their coach, i.e., you know, the 76ers, if they if they go into a bad stretch, something like that. Um, not that this would happen, but Toronto, um, you know, some of those other teams that are that are... Contenders slash maybe not contenders, you know, would Yudoka go there type of thing. But regardless, if he does move on from the Celts and the Celts move on from him, whatever happens, I hope that they end up getting compensation for him because the fact that they weren't going to get compensation for him really was kind of weird in general. So um, flipping over to them, to the Celts on the court, they are they are arguably, uh, you know, their bottom half of the league in defense right now, yeah, which they... The second half of last year, they were one of the best defensive teams in the league, and they're the th- right right now they're the third ranked offense in basketball. So they're winning games with offense, which last year I don't think they were doing as much. They were winning lower scoring games. They were probably low to mid 100s. Um, this year they're winning games at like 117 to 113, which I'm not sure how is how sustainable that is. A lot of the Teams that were left last year were the best defensive teams in the league. The Warriors, um, the Celtics, the Heat, you know, all, all those teams that were left last year, they were some of the better defensive teams. So the fact the Celts started off in their bottom half defensively, I believe right now they're they're the 13th worst defense in the league, which, or excuse me, the 18th worst defense, I guess that would be flipped, um, is not a good sign. Um, I definitely agree with you. Uh, I mean, we talked about this off air. I like the uptick in offense, and it just shows, I think, that, you know, like we said, podcast, two podcasts ago maybe, you know, Brown's probably going to be an all-star, and, you know, Tatum's going to be in the MVP, can, uh, 
you know, as a candidate, you, you know, you can maybe make um, an interim that uh, some of our bench guys could, you know, be in the six-man ring, Malcolm Brogdon, you know, uh, For sure. more specifically. Um, however, I, I think, you know, I don't like the analytics about our defense and where we stand, you know, uh, as far as rankings based on, you know, what we've seen thus far. But we're also missing our anchor, Robert Williams, in the middle, which changes our defense completely. So I don't want to, like, think too much of that. Um, you know, he was somewhat healthy when we needed him and we were down the stretch last year. We've not good rebounding the ball right now, and, you know, guys are having to play more minutes than, than used to. Um, Hauser is known as an offensive specialist. He's getting much more minutes um, versus what he brings to the table defensively. Um, but I think once the game slows down in the playoffs, I think we have the ability, we still have the personnel to put the clamps down. Uh, but, yeah, the efficiency is bad right now. I'll, I'll agree with you there. Yeah, but if we keep winning games, I'm cool with it. So. They're, they're, I mean, once they match up against, I don't know when their first game against Milwaukee is going to be, that's going to be an interesting game because Milwaukee's, rolling right now and they don't even have Middleton so we'll see where that leaves them but um I mean Jalen Brown looks good Tatum obviously looks really good Brogdon looks great off the bench smart uh, I mean surprisingly his numbers are actually I think his scoring is down but his assists are up turnovers were down he's shooting the ball I believe a little bit better than he was last year um he's playing point guard position better than I thought he was going to I mean, I guess living up to the contract that they're giving him. I mean, they pay him, I don't know, what is it, 15, 16, 17 yeah. million or something like that. So it was a good contract when it came out. I remember initially, I was like, it's bad. And then everyone started getting paid banana land money. So yeah, some it ended guys, up looking like a pretty good contract. Some guys that make that same money are, you know, bench players at They're not defensive and, player of the year. No, absolutely that. not. So, yeah, he's, I mean, he's filling in and he's looking really good at, in, at the point guard role. I've, I've kind of, I was listening to Shaq. I don't know what what day it was last week, but he was talking about that Brogdon should start in front of Smart, and I'm not really sure I'm I'm there because Brogdon wanted to come to Boston and knew that he was going to play the six man, and he even said that. So if he if that's the case, then they talked to him about that beforehand, and Smart understands that he's going to be the starter. So I mean, to flip that makes really no sense. Um, and I just like to have, in some capacity, a ball hander towards the end uh, end of the game. One of them in the game, if not both of them, and both of them can shoot. So yeah, I mean, I, I like it. And you know, in all honesty, I like White too. Uh, he doesn't. I don't. We don't rely on him as much for offense as you know maybe Brogdon. But I think I'd rather have Brogdon as your guy coming off the bench first versus Agreed. White. So um, I think the rotation works the way that it is. You know, working now. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely agree uh, with you there. So yeah, agreed 100%. So um, Celts are on right now. They're winning, you know, hopefully on their way to eight and three. I think they're third in the East. Um, I mean, right where I think everyone kind of slated them to be, you know, behind Milwaukee in that hunt for the number one, two, three seed right there. And obviously, you know, they made the run to the finals last year. That was with Williams, and everything's going to be dependent on him coming back. So. If you can come back in January, February, March, whenever that is, maybe they can get by and, and stay in that top four seed range until they get him back and then just make a run in the playoffs from there. Um, you know, But we'll touch base on them every week and kind of gauge where they're at, knock on wood for you know the health for the rest of the guys as the season goes on. But uh, 
we will we'll jump over to the NFL and touch base on week nine do a little recap of some of the games that we had here uh, another kind of wild week of games and some high scoring affairs that we thought were going to be low scoring games some injuries that type of stuff uh, starting out with a Thursday night game which was to no to no one's surprise uh, I won't say a blowout because it was only a 12 point game but Philadelphia handled this game very very easily um, the Eagles at the Texans they ended up winning by 12 um, my my main takeaway from the game is that Damian Pierce might be the best running back on the worst team in football and they I mean Philadelphia did nothing to stop him 27 for 139 on the ground he was a fourth round pick in real life maybe a six seventh you know fifth sixth seventh round pick in fantasy and if you got him in that range late and if you can keep him next year I mean you got to steal because he's all the hype that was surrounding him leading up to the regular season he's been awesome I mean up against probably the best competition that they're going to face all year obviously Philly's undefeated and their defense is really good um he came through and outside of him I mean Mills looked okay but yeah Houston pretty much the worst team in football I think they are the worst team in football um they just don't besides Pierce they don't have anybody I mean um Cooks didn't play he's disgruntled I don't know what you know if he's going to be amped to try to come back for a team that's going nowhere um so yeah there's no identity there on the flip side I mean same stuff different day Jalen Hurts 21 for 27 243 two TDs through the air nine for 23 on the ground didn't get in the end zone rushing Miles Sanders Super efficient as always, 17 for 93 and a touchdown. Dallas Gardert was the leader in the passing game, which is good to see. He had nine targets, caught eight of them, 100 and a TD. Um, A.J. Brown came back to reality a little bit from his three-touchdown game last week, but still found the end zone, four for 59. I think the question right now um, is, like, the Devonta Smith situation. Like, he started the year quiet, then he, for like three weeks, he was kind of like, a 1B to to Brown, and he's kind of been a ghost uh, the last couple weeks. And, you know, he only received two targets in this game. Again, I think a lot of it's game plan. You know, like Miles Sanders is seeing more carries than he has in previous weeks, and I think that's just to control the clock because they get up early. So, um, I don't know. Uh, what do you think? I mean, Smith reminds me of the same situation that uh, Buffalo's in with Gabe Davis. Davis came into the season as kind of a higher draft pick than what he's performed at at this point. And the same thing, like he, he gets, Davis is like a boomer bust type of guy. You know, you could get him two for 30 or he's going to be, you know, six for 150 and two touchdowns. That's kind of just who they are. I mean, Smith, obviously the talent's there. When he get when he gets the ball thrown to him, he's a, I mean, he's a monster. But like you said too, I mean, Goddard was wide open. Pretty much every catch that Goddard had, he was he was on some crossing route wide open. Philly also just runs the ball really, really well. They have a good offensive line. I can't stand Kelsey or any of the Kelseys, but Jason Kelsey's a monster uh, as their center and their anchor on the offensive line. And Hertz is just, he manages the team really, really well. Not that he's a game manager, but he just manages them from a quarterback perspective as, as good as anyone does in the league. They run the ball really well, so there's only so much they can do. And once they got up in the game, I mean, they just they didn't throw the ball a ton. You know? So I think brighter days ahead for Smith, but 
I can I can see where people will probably be frustrated with him at this point as well. Yeah, absolutely. That brings us to our next game on the docket. Um, at the uh, Chargers at Falcons. Um, pretty good game. Um, as always, Falcons are always in a close one. Um, Chargers end up taking it 20-17. to 17. you have any takeaways, Nick? Uh, the Chargers play field goal games every week. It seems like they play a field goal game. Uh, they were they were like the waiver wire team this week. Uh, Spiller got picked up a bunch. Palmer and Carter both got picked up a bunch. Pa- Carter, 5-53. Palmer had eight for 106 with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams both out. I heard a lot on the radio this week. I listened to a lot of the fantasy sports radio on XM. Kind of downplaying Justin Herbert and him. They didn't use the word bust, but almost having like a like a bad season. I mean, dude, Keenan Allen's been injured since, what, snap six of week one? And he's by far and large, they're... they're I mean, I don't know about their, about their best player because Eckler's pretty good, but their best wide receiver. And Williams is good, but Williams is another guy that's kind of like a boomer bust guy. Um, I mean, Herbert went into Atlanta and threw to, you know, Josh Palmer, DeAndre Carter, Gerald Everett, and Michael Bandy and, and won the game. So I pumped the brakes a little bit on the Herbert hate because I think full fully loaded, the Chargers are still pretty good. Um, again, with that being said, Eckler is just insane he he is just seven more catches i believe he's on pace to break the single season why uh running back receiving record by like 10 catches at this point something along those lines so he needs to keep up like six or seven catches for the rest of the season and he breaks the record uh he's just he's just unbelievable no matter where they give him the ball he catches pretty much everything he was seven target seven catches on eight targets again this week uh, he's just the same thing over and over every week. Um, on the Atlanta side, same thing for them. They don't throw the ball a ton, and when they do, they're not that successful with it again. They're they're just a running team. Yeah, I mean, you got three guys on Atlanta. 10 for 99 for Algier. Um, Cordell Patterson came back, looked pretty explosive, had a couple touchdowns, 13 for 44. And then Huntley only got seven carries, but you know, average almost five yards a carry, seven for 34. And then obviously Mariota running, you know, averaging almost five yards himself. He just can't pass the ball. Pitts had seven targets, but he was a leading receiver at two receptions for 27 yards. Um, on the flip side, I was a big fan of Gerald Everett this week. I thought he was going to actually have a better game. Ended with five for 36 on eight targets. But Josh Palmer was probably the waiver wire, you know, um, uh, person uh, of the week, um, eight for 106. But yeah, Eckler is uh, he's the guy, man. Uh, yeah, he's he's definitely performed. He's definitely the guy. The first few weeks, everyone, not everyone, but people were down on him. You know, talking about should I trade him, and I was probably one of them. But he's been he's been really really good. A lot yeah, of touchdowns right. again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll pop over to the next game, which was uh, not definitely not slated as the game of the week, but. Miami at Chicago. Uh, Miami ended up winning the game, 35-32. I mean, two sides to this to this game that you can take here. Um, I'm gonna start with the Chicago side because Chicago whooped the Patriots and then in turn went home and gave the Dolphins probably not the best game that they've had this year because obviously they had, they've had losses. But I mean, Fields was unbelievable. 15 for 178. On the ground, uh, 17 completions 
for 123 and three touchdowns through the air. Um, I mean, Fields was, he had, I believe in the last 25 years in the regular season, no one's had any more rushing, more rushing yards from a quarterback position. Not Lamar, not Vic, not Kyler. I mean, no one. Uh, I mean, this game was insane. Four total touchdowns and 300 total yards, uh, most of them being on the ground. He looked really good. I know Nick and I agree with this here, and being a Patriots fan, we wanted Fields instead of Mac. You know, two years ago, we ended up with Mac. Obviously, I think Fields went what, 12th, Mac went 15th, whatever it was. But we wanted Fields on the Patriots, just thinking Belichick could grow him into the quarterback that he is right now. Um, but he's been why he's been quarterback one since week five in fantasy. Um, and I, I'll be the first to admit, I was definitely down on him coming into the season, and I'm I'm not still super high on him, but he had a hell of a game. Um, I mean, yeah, kudos to this good NFL record, most rushing yards uh, by a quarterback in a game, and he he made history on on Sunday. 178 yards is is the number one spot there. Um, he's putting the whole team on his back. I think um, probably the same reasons you weren't wicked high on him, and you're still not, is like. They don't really have a team around them. It's just him, no, you know. So exactly. you know, one one injury away from them being a scrub team. But I will say, you know, uh, they went out and you know uh, got somebody that you know we wanted or I wanted in Chase Claypool, um, and it was already evident that it's going to help Mooney out. Mooney had eight targets, but caught seven for forty-three yards and had a pretty sick touchdown catch. Um, opens it up for Cole Komet too because now he's not the number one big guy. They got another big receiver on the other end. Um, but yeah, Fields like running the ball is just pretty electric. I didn't realize that, how fast he actually was. The 61 yarder was awesome. Yeah, he's uh, and Mooney, Mooney did all the way down the field, blocking for him too. I mean, you could tell they haven't quit. I mean, Chicago definitely hasn't quit. Obviously, uh, they look really good. And then on the Miami side, Tua, 303 touchdowns. Another stat I saw on ESPN, unbelievable, but. The fact that this has never happened in Miami history. So 300 yards and three touchdowns in back-to-back games has never happened in Miami history. Marino never did it, which blew my mind. But Tua has. And just the the Tyreek Hill-Jalen Waddell combo is dynamic. It's more than dynamic. You know, I can admit when I'm wrong, and I was dead wrong. I didn't think that Hill was still going to be the guy. Hand up. Um, I was wrong as well. I mean, he's the guy. He's the best receiver in football right now. Um, he has the most targets. He has the most yards. I mean, besides touchdowns, he's not there. Everything else, he's leading. He's and he just gets open at will. And you know, the fact that you have another guy that can do the same exact thing on your team just makes Tua's job a lot easier. I mean, but I will say Tua went out and they didn't look like the same team. So part of that is Tua getting the ball out fast and you know executing the offense. You know the way that they wanted uh, when they brought you know Hill in to be that crazy you know dynamic duo. So um, yeah, they look they look good, man. Trade the trade with Kansas City changed changed the course of their uh, maybe of their franchise. Good yeah. for them. I mean, kudos to them. Um, at the same token, fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on the uh, the next game that we have was Cincinnati at Carolina. Excuse me, uh, Carolina at Cincinnati. Uh, blowout here, Cincinnati 42-21. to 21. Uh, Burrow had a down game for him, 206 through the air, one tutty. The story for Cincinnati was Joe Mixon going bananas, 
153 on the ground, four touchdowns. He caught the one from Mixon. He had four for 58 and a touchdown there. So five total touchdowns. One of the best games that uh, definitely that he's ever had and probably one of the best games that running backs had in the, in the past few years for, for sure. Uh, Cincinnati's definitely a different team without Chase, but they still look really good. Yeah, um, I don't have much to take away on the Bengals. I think they're just frustrating because one week they blow out a team and then the next week they get beat and their offensive line can't protect Burrow. And then the next week they blow out a team. It's like there's really no consistency. Um, they're saying that they might get chased back after the bye, which would be an awesome thing for them. You know, I just, I guess I always get, like, I don't understand certain things. And one of them is this hot, cold streak that Cincinnati's on. And the other one is Mixon. Like, he was MIA for the majority of this season and then can come out and have a game that's one for the record books. I mean, it just, can you have just a little in between? Um, it's kind of uh, frustrating. Obviously, with him being such a stud on Sunday, T. Higgins, you know, had eight targets, but they weren't really passing the ball that much. They had too much success uh, on the ground. Um, but them them going up was kind of the tail of the tape for another, you know, wave wire superstar and uh, Dante Foreman. Um, he just came crashing back down to earth because he was basically game scripted out of this game, only carried the ball seven times for 23 yards as soon as they got behind. It was Raheem Blackshear that became the guy, played, you know, uh, more snaps and was catching the ball out of the backfield. Um, and then another waiver wire gem for this week potentially could be uh, Terrace Marshall. He looks like a uh, down-the-field threat um, for Carolina. I don't know what he's going to pay for dividends, but um, the pickings are slim now, um, you know, going into... Yeah, waivers uh, were, were not, not hot this week. No. Um, I mean, halfway through the season, so um, to be expected. Um, the next game we had here is Green Bay at Detroit. I, I mean, this game was disgusting from the start. Detroit, you know, they were on my list of teams that play fun games and high-scoring games, and their defense stinks. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's an Aaron Rodgers thing. I don't know if it's a coaching thing. I don't know if it's a somehow the Detroit Lions coached up the defense, whatever it was. Green Bay scored nine points, which has got to be a career low for Rodgers playing Detroit because he's obviously smacked Detroit his whole entire career. He threw three picks, two in the red zone and two on the opening two drives in the red zone, which is definitely the first time he's ever done that. He had four for 40 on the ground, and Rodgers was the leading rusher for the team as well with a team that has A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. I can't tell you the last time that Aaron Rodgers was probably the leading rusher for them. Uh, that's not a good sign of things to come. And Green Bay drops to three and six. So, I mean, at this point, I don't know if it's over for Green Bay and for Rodgers. He's got another year on his contract, but, uh, I mean, all signs point to that that he's probably done after the season. What do you think? Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not a Rodgers fan. Um, usually Rodgers is the guy that, like, turns it around, you know, like, you know, start off kind of whack, and then they'll go on these crazy streaks and be, like, one of the best teams in the league. And I don't know, Sunday just kind of maybe solidified that they're just not that good. Nope. Um, they just... They really are missing, you know, um, the best receiver. Um, they just they don't have an identity. It, it showed the morale in the players coming specifically from their leader and Rodgers. Just body language looks off. Um, yeah, just not a not a good look. Um, the red zone picks are brutal. I mean, put um, it this way. Put it this way. Detroit, 
again, not a great defense. This year so far, they've let up 38, 36, 28, 48, 29, 24, and 31. And Rodgers and goes into into Detroit and puts up nine. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. Um, from the Detroit side, I mean... They just lose games. Uh, I know they won this week, but they just—they're brutal. Um, DeAndre Swift was another guy that I was kind of high on. I was wrong. He's just always injured. The dude just class, and he's just not getting the run that he wants. Jamal Williams seems to be the guy that you want to own there, and he's not the best, but not—not not terribly. They're 24 for 81. He's really the only bright spot from a fantasy perspective. Um, yeah, it's kind of an ugly game. Yeah, the golf experiment is, is expiring at this point. Uh, so, over to the Patriots. They played Indy at home. Uh, another game that kind of, I think most people thought that this game was going to go this way. But Patriots win going away 26-3. to uh, The Sam Ellinger experience in Indy is a disaster. Uh, 103 through the air and a pick. He, had, he got sacked nine times. Um, I mean, I'm not a Texas college football fan at all, and Ellinger is probably best known for when he played for Texas. He looked awful, but with that being said, I don't know if it's the offensive line. I don't know what the hell happened to them, but nine sacks, that that just, they got to you know, figure out a way. To, he's going to get injured. He gets sacked nine times a game or hit nine times a game. He's going to be injured. Uh, he was also their leading rusher somehow miraculously with 39 yards so the sam ellinger show put up three points in foxborough and you know our our topic of the week what two weeks ago at this point whatever it was uh the mac jones versus bailey zappy probably still hasn't been answered i mean mac got the start and played the whole game obviously this week uh he didn't look great but i mean he got the w yeah um a couple things i want to uh harp on i mean Deion Jackson was kind of a waiver wire gem uh, stashed, you know, for the what for the most people was the number one pick um, being injured. Um, and Taylor, uh, no Taylor this week, so obviously we're sending heat, you know, on every play because make them beat us on the ground if that's the case. And that just was not working for the Indianapolis Colts. He, he got rattled. Judon was a complete animal as usual. Um, yeah, the Mac Jones experience uh, really hasn't been put to the test like you stated i mean this was the defensive line of game we dominated them uh from the defensive side of the ball um on the offense it was you know stevenson again seems to be he's he's really that good um jj taylor got some burn didn't do anything with it um i really thought that strong was going to come in and be that guy but they gave it to taylor instead um keeping keeping the tight ends involved hunter henry is our leading receiver at 4 for 50 which i mean 4 for 50 you're not doing anything with that so um i mean we'll see um that's a w yep and and shout out judon he's he three more sacks he's on he's got 11 and a half on pace for the record and i know it's a 17 game regular season now so it's you know maybe a little bit different but again on pace to break the sack record which is awesome yeah um real quick i think uh, also to go along with that um you know our quarterback experience was Belichick actually came to the press stating like that our offensive plays are getting called out by uh, the defense yep. um, in multiple games now, which is a little concerning. Um, so uh, another thing to keep an eye on, you know, um, 
I don't really like, you know, uh, we two, need, week, two we weeks need, in a row, right? We, yeah, we need Mac to have a little bit of time to throw the ball. I mean, he's under the microscope too, so um, we definitely want, as a fan perspective or from a team perspective, you know, you want that confidence to be there, and uh, you can't do it if you're laying on your back. So I'm hoping that uh, they figure out a better way to call plays or switch some stuff up. Um, another another uh, two teams from the AFC East, the uh, the Bills and the Jets, which was kind of a surpriser this week, but the the Bills traveled to New York, or whatever you want to say, New Jersey, and they they got beat by the Jets. They only got beat by three. It was twenty to seventeen, but it seemed like they got whooped in this game for whatever reason. Uh, Josh Allen was the offense, two hundred five through the air. 86 on the ground, uh, led them and led them in carries, two two picks, five sacks. Uh, he got beat up and injured, elbow injury coming into this week. Didn't practice today and all that stuff. Um, the Bills are, uh, are probably. I mean, might as well just kiss Super Bowl goodbye if if he gets injured and he's out for long term. But you know they can get by with a week or two. Um, but the story of the game is, I mean, since I've talk shit about Flacco and the Jets. They might be the best team in football outside of the Eagles. Their 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 defense is legit and Sauce Gardner is defensive rookie of the year and probably be up there for defensive player of the year. Yeah, I mean they're they're both their young rookie uh cornerbacks um uh, are pretty nasty, but yeah, Sauce is the guy. But they're good up front too. They're just you know, uh, which is making Sauce uh, it easier on him, you know, because they're disrupting the quarterback and you know pressuring uh, the opposing quarterback, which happened a few times in this game. Um, Michael Carter plotted the way, 12 for 76 uh, and a TD. But Robinson had some big chunk plays um, at the end of this game, 13 for 48 to help put them away, and. Uh, Garrett Wilson, man, he finally has figured out um, a way to live with Zach Wilson. Um, he played really well, 8 for 92 uh, through the air. Uh, Wilson did what he needed to to manage this game, 18 for 25, 154 in a TD. Decent QBR um, and didn't look like, you know, a uh, poor man's uh, uh, Mahomes um, running around like a chicken with a side cut off. Yeah, he definitely looked better this week. I mean, it was surprising was to me was the Bills defense and I know the Jets only scored 20 points but the Bills defense just well, they gave up they gave up a lot on the ground and they hadn't so far this season and I, I mean honestly as Buffalo goes as Josh Allen goes Buffalo goes um and he's banged up yeah I so, think this is all good for the Patriots I mean we beat the Jets already um I mean Miami's going to be tough. Um, they're definitely going to be tough. Our division is really tough. But, it's the best division in football. But I tell you what, with with Allen getting banged up, they were clearing away. I think the favorite, and yep. now it kind of we're we're in the hunt now, which uh, I it's just wild to say because I think we are from the eye test, anyways, the worst of the the four teams. But um, with Belichick, anything's possible. So um, if we can just stay there. Um, Get some confidence, keep rolling on teams. Uh, it'll be good. So we'll see. Um, over to the NFC, and arguably, you know, the second best team maybe in the NFC at this point, Minnesota. They went to Washington. Uh, they ended up winning the game 20 to 17. Another victory. They're seven and one. Uh, they got Kirk Cousins on the plane wearing <laughs> gold chains and spinners and. He's got his shirt off. He's got abs, which, I mean, if you would have told me Kirk Cousins has abs, 
I would have laughed. Definitely a dad bod going on there, but he looked he looked good in the game. He looked good on the plane. Um, one thing I have to say is their run game, I think, is kind of underwhelming, and they relied on Cousins to win the game, and he did. Justin Jefferson had a monster game like he typically does, 13 targets, only seven catches for 115, but, I mean, he, he, you know, beggars can't be choosers there. Um, Hawkinson, who was uh, a, a midweek trade, didn't know if he was going to play, how much he was going to play. Nine catches on nine targets for 70 yards, which in a PPR format, if you're getting 16 from your tight end, you're probably in the you know top one or two percent. Um, as the tight ends position's been brutal this year, so um, Cousins leading them to another victory is huge. Yeah, um, I mean we keep talking about them just doing what they need to do to win games, and they did. I mean uh, Heineke and uh, Washington they battled. Uh, it came right down to the wire with them. Um, Samuel had a pretty sick touchdown, led them in receiving three for 65. Um, F1 McLaurin came um, back down earth a little bit, five for 56. Uh, no TDs. Um, Antonio Gibson, uh, again, uh, not doing too much with the air, two for 11, and kind of split the carries with Brian Robinson. Neither of them really were, you know, overwhelming. Uh, plotted away at average about 3.4 yards a carry. So. Um. Over to, I don't, I don't even know how to put the Raiders into a category at this point because they're just a disaster. But the Raiders traveled to Jacksonville. Uh, Jacksonville wins the game. Jacksonville was the underdog in this game, which I still don't understand how that was possible. The Raiders are 0-5 outside of Vegas. And they are, I wouldn't say imploding, but they're 2-6. and six. Uh, they were, you know, kind of a, a sleeper to win that AFC West type of type of team. Uh, two and six, you know, you might as well write them out of it right now. The only thing they have going for them is Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs. Uh, Devontae Adams finally, they decided to feed him the ball this week with 17 targets, uh, 10 for 146 and two touchdowns. He looked like he was doing great. Uh, shout out Dome talking a lot of shit about Devontae Adams before the game to me via text and of course he went off so that was uh hilarious to see um Vegas is a mess uh, I mean again I don't think McDaniels gets fired mid-season but I, I just I don't see how they kind of correct this moving forward especially with Jacobs being their second best player it's going to be a free agent at the end of the season dude they were leading 20 to 0 and they just blew Everything. I mean, they just turned into a sh- shitty-ass team. They're up there with the worst team in the league. Um, they just keep finding ways to, to lose. They looked like the worst team in the NFL last week. Apparently, majority of the team had the flu or whatnot. But um, Hunter Renfro has been completely non-existent this year. They're without their, you know, um, all-star, you know, uh, tight end. Um, Jacobs has been a, a, a G, but the last two games he's come way back down to earth. Um, they just, every week is a new identity for them. They're just, they're not consistent. They suck on defense. They're I terrible. If, I, don't, I don't know if that's, uh, I don't know what the deal is with their coaching staff, um, but they're not getting it done. Um, kudos for Jacksonville to stay in this game. Um, and ETN is 
if you're playing fantasy and you got him late, um, he's a Super Bowl winner for for sure because he's a unless he gets hurt, he is um, he's serious. And Kirk had another good game, another touchdown. He was a, a you know kind of a wide receiver three type of draft pick and definitely paying dividends there. He's he's had some definitely some down games, but he's been good overall. Um, the NFC West uh, matchup: Seattle at Arizona. Um, Gino again, yeah. You, you can't spell MVP without Geno Smith at this point. I'm not really sure if he's in the MVP category, but the guy looks really, really good. And Seattle six and three. I don't know what their over under was for wins on the season, but it couldn't have been much more than six and a half or seven and a half. They look good again. Um, another division win for them. They're three and two away from Seattle, which is awesome because. Typically, they win a lot of their games when they had Russ at home. You know, they had a huge home home field advantage, but they're doing well outside of Seattle. Uh, Kenneth Walker, the the stud rookie for them, another 109 on the ground and two TDs. His two his two TDs were late in the game too, and kind of sewed the game away for them. Um, he looks really good. And then another kind of scrappy player, I guess you could say that they got in the trade was Noah Fant, and he showed out finally for them uh five for 96 on the ground and uh he had a big catch for them as well um they uh they look good on offense but their defense look really good too arizona only being held to 21 on the game isn't uh isn't terrible yeah um i mean i just think people need to realize that the sea seahawks are uh, legit they're legit um so uh Secondly, Kenneth Walker, I mean, 26 for 109. We just talked about uh, ETM being a, a possible Super Bowl winner. I mean, Kenneth Walker is probably even uh, bigger because he was taken in later rounds, and he's a stud. He didn't really do much in the first half. He was kind of bottled up, and but just like Derrick Henry just wore you know, the defense down, and he exploded in the second half. Noah Font has all the tools to be a ridiculous tight end which hasn't really put it together um had a great game uh gino had uh all the confidence in the world in him um and and Lockett and metcalf added a touchdown apiece as well um on five receptions for the both of them 67 for Lockett and 37 for metcalf rondale moore picked up where he left off uh, last week had eight targets last week 10 this week eight for 69 um earth's Got, had a touchdown, uh, five for forty. Hopkins came way back down to earth, four for thirty-six, but did get in that zone. Um, and James Conner did come back. He was healthy this week, and he took over that bell cow role, even though it was only seven carries. Um, he rushed pretty well, efficiently, forty-five yards. Didn't find the end zone. I think that's a positive they could take away. Arizona is Rondell Moore is, is showing up, and they're finally getting him the ball, and he looks like a, a you know a dynamic move the chains type of guy, kind of like. You know, in a way, kind of like how Renfro was last year, except he's more explosive than Renfro, obviously. But he looks really good getting the ball short. He breaks a few tackles every now and again. Rarely does the first guy kind of take him down. Um, I, I have him, I think, in two leagues. He just he looks good, and I think he's he's kind of a guy that should hopefully pan out really well next year for them moving forward, even if Hopkins stays it looks like he's going to he's going to get his targets as well. Yeah, um I I think I mean 
I think Calamari's literally uh, winless since the new Call of Duty came out. Um, we make the <laughs> reference, but it's pretty ridiculous at this point. Uh, they need to figure out ways to win games because when Hollywood Brown comes back, this offense could be scary. Um, but True. They can't wait, you know, True. for him to come back. Um, but you know, when you're in three wide out set and you have more Hopkins and Hollywood Brown, that's going to be up there with the best in the league. And then you have, you know, Ertz um, across the middle and then Connor uh, in the backfield. So they should be better, um, but they're not. And Murray pulled up with a hamstring today. Didn't practice. Um, I yeah. I mean, Nick told me it was double XP weekend this weekend, so maybe Murray is <laughs> looking for to opt out of the game. I'm not positive, but yeah, something's going on with him too. So definitely, you know, monitor the the practice reports there. Um, in the battle of the old white quarterbacks this week, the Rams played the Buccaneers, and just like when Rodgers traveled to Tampa Bay earlier. Uh, just a super low-scoring game against against Brady at home. Um, I don't know how long Brady can keep this up, but Tom Brady threw 58 passes, uh, 36 for 58, which is just a disgusting average of 4.8 yards. Uh, he had 280 through the through the air and a touchdown. The touchdown came at the end 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 of the game, or nine seconds left, whatever yeah. to Auden. Uh, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it was. There was a he threw a ton of passes that were that hit people in the chest, hit people in the face mask, hit people in the hands, one hand, two hand, whatever it was. Brady could have completed 45 passes in this game. I don't know what the the receivers were doing, but again, the running game is non-existent. Rashad White, eight for 27. Fournette, nine for 19. Keyshawn Vaughn two for four and Chris Godwin one for one Brady didn't rush sneak nothing um 20 total rushes for 51 yards has got to be one of the worst of the season and then you look at the Los Angeles side and they rush 24 for 68 and you realize that both teams are just absolutely terrible and they rely on their quarterback 100 percent and that's probably why neither of them are are where they want to be yeah um if they I mean they're not uh the Rams are uh, on the Super Bowl hangover like, whoa. Um, they just – they hate Henderson. Uh, they don't trust him. Uh, he was the only one that actually ran the ball halfway decent, but they had everyone else trying to run run the ball. Uh, cup is Cup. Uh, eight for 127 in TD. He's, he's awesome. Um, no run game whatsoever in Tampa. Uh, that's a, a disaster, and the offensive line is a disaster. Um, Evans and Godwin had a – ton of targets 11 and 10 respectively but uh did little with them five for 40 and seven for 36 yards i mean uh no tds for either one of them Cade otten was the was the guy that, uh, that won him the game uh five for 68 and a td so um i mean kudos to brady for having a comeback he's definitely has the most in the nfl history almost guaranteed um but I mean, you're not going to have much success averaging 2.6 yards a carry and averaging 4.8 yards uh, through the air. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just... I think they're both signed next year. I think Brady and Stafford are both signed next year. But do you, do you think that both or either of them play next season? Uh, I don't know. I re- a lot of it has to do with how they end up finishing. Um, that's how I look at it like and how I would be if I was a, um, a player, I think. Um Hard to dictate. As of right now, 
those two and Rogers might not be playing next year. So agreed, uh, agreed, one hundred percent. They're all. I think they're all. I, I, uh, Stafford actually might have two years left, but I know Brady's got next year. Rogers the same thing. I, I mean, Brady threw the ball fifty eight times, and they scored sixteen points. So it's just. Coming yeah, and and also, how long can he survive without a running game? You, it, I know we and we talked about this too about the the offensive line being injured and whatnot. Um, they they just they they don't look like they did last year. Granted, again, they're four and five. They're kind of in the mix. The NFC South is a you know a shit show with New Orleans and Carolina. Um, you know, not being great teams either. So, I, I guess they have a shot to win the division, and then you get in the playoffs and you know see what happens. But yeah, it's it's just not the way I wanted to see Brady kind of go out. But, you know, to each their own. Um, the Sunday night football game was a, an exciting game and, and not the way I, I don't think a lot of people thought it was going to get played out. Uh, Tennessee went to Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City ended up winning 20-17. to 17. The majority of the game was dominated by Tennessee, and, and really in the only fashion that they could dominate, they gave the ball to Henry a ton in the first half. And I don't remember exactly what he had in the first half, but from our text messages or something along the lines of like 11 for 96 or something like that with two touchdowns in the first half. And he ended up with kind of a disappointing line in, in a way. Um, Tennessee didn't, didn't score a touchdown in the second half. They only put up three points. Henry ended up with 17 for 115 and two touchdowns, which, I mean, in itself is obviously a monster game. But from where he was in the first half, it's actually kind of disappointing. Uh, Malik Willis is just not, right, at least right now, he's not the guy. Almost like a uh, very, very early Justin Fields type of situation where they just don't allow him to throw the ball. He threw the ball 16 times, 80, 80 yards total. He looked terrible when he threw the ball. Um, he runs the ball decent. He looks pretty quick, but just not. They just don't have any other option besides Henry. I mean, once they got rid of AJ Brown, it's an understatement to say they did absolutely nothing to replace him at all. Yeah, I mean they they're completely one-dimensional, and what happened was they made halftime adjustments and said just stop Henry. Yep. Uh, and you know. Obviously, hey, Henry's awesome, but when the defense knows that that's the only way you're going to score, I mean, even Vrabel came out and it's like, you know, are you going to keep, you know, rushing Henry into the ground? He's like, who are we going to throw to? And, you know, uh, part of that, you know, lack of Wiltz's success is that he doesn't have anyone to throw to. Um, uh, I can't even pronounce the guy that has the, you know, um, top number of yards um, on, on Tennessee. Um, I will say Derrick Henry, though, career yards per carry by month is pretty astonishing. September, he averages 3.94. October, he averages 4.45. November, he averages 5.67. December, 5.5. And in January, 5.11. So pretty significant um, yards per carry once it starts getting cold outside, which, you know, we have been kind of harping on the last couple of weeks. Um but they need to help him out with something in the past game. Um, and then on the flip side, Mahomes is just awesome. Uh, I think he leads the, the league in touchdowns. Um, and he gave away who we just talked about. Um, 
Tyreek Hill being the best receiver in football right now. So, um, Mahomes is that good, man. Yeah, I mean, Kelsey He's that good is, is, is his, you know, his, uh, whatever you want to call it, his wet blanket or whoever he can just dump down to at any point. But also, Kelsey breaks a lot of tackles. He looked good at, you know, 17 targets. Um, another guy that, that's panning out for them at this point, too, who had a kind of shitty start to the season was Juju, and he looks good. Uh, Kansas City's going to be tough, especially at home. Tennessee's just, they're a weird team. They play really well down the stretch. They're there every year. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think they need Tannehill back, and I'm not even a Tannehill fan by any means, but Mal- Malik Willis is not that guy. So not right now, anyways. No, and and if they keep him in there, they're I mean they'll they'll be out of it in no time. Yeah, I mean the other thing is too is that you know uh, you alluded to uh, Juju, you know picking it up and like having a couple consistent games, but Hardman too now. That's, yeah. that's a couple good games in a row. He's now found the end zone and also had pretty efficient game. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we they just got a guy and paid two second round picks to get Tony and. He played in this game and he caught both his targets. He's only going to ramp up, you know, his um, uh, involvement in the offense, and he's just one of those guys that could be really, really good. He's you know, super athletic um, and you know, high speed guy. So um, we'll see. Uh, fast twitch maniac. Um, so to wrap up the the week was the Monday night. I, I, I want to call it a beatdown or anything like that, but the the Ravens dominated most of the game. Uh, Baltimore went to New Orleans. They ended up winning the game 27-13. Uh, Lamar Jackson, kind of a light game from what we expect typically out of him. 133 through the air and a touchdown, 82 on the ground, which at this point is just kind of expected from him. Um, the story is probably from the Baltimore side is that Kenyon Drake from – you know, the rafters comes down with 24 carries for 93 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, not a great average by any means, but ran hard. Definitely ran in between the tackles a lot and got the majority of the, the carries. I mean, outside of Lamar, Justice Hill had four and Patrick Ricard, I believe is the fullback had one. So, I mean, they didn't give the ball really to anyone else, and Kenyon Drake looked like the bell cow. So, as Gus Edwards is out and injured with the the hammy, um, Drake looks like he could, you know, be a, a, a your if he's your running back two right now, you could do much worse than him. Yeah, which is wild, but you know, uh, just hang on tight because it was Kenyon Drake, and then he was a no show, and then it was Kenyon Drake, and then it was a no show, and then it's Kenyon Drake. So. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, they got a muddied backfield with, you know, the other two guys are injured right now, which is good. Well, one which is not coming back this season, and Gus has been limited, I think, in practice. So um, we'll see what happens. But they're a running team, so Drake should, ha- you know, be heavily involved. On the flip side, though, uh, you're probably a little pissed off if you're a Kamara guy, especially coming off last week where he was a complete monster three-touchdown game last week. And, you know, uh I guess New Orleans offense as a whole is just kind of a mess. Um, uh, Alave was the only one that did anything really at 6 for 71, and that's not really that great either. So, um, yeah, New Orleans just has to do better as a whole. I mean, they can they can probably mark down Alave as, uh, you know, a, a green check mark from their draft for sure because he looks like he's going to be a wide receiver one. Yeah, he is legit. 
he gets open. I mean, they don't have much outside of him. Tricon Smith, Marquez Callaway, where, you know, whatever. Juwan Johnson's a bigger tight end. All you know, the guys they brought in, all, all Michael Thomas coming back from injury, didn't pan out. He's injured. And, you know, they got Jarvis Landry. And I, has he played? Where is he? Uh, is he dead? Uh, he's gone. Yeah, I mean, Jarvis Landry's probably in Louisiana. You know, he's, he looks like he's about 42 years old. He's probably like 25. But, um, he, he he's not doing anything for them, even if he even if he I think he had would he have a good week one? And that was everyone it. Everyone knew that was it. Yeah, I mean, that was it. He's gone after that. Dalton is gonna Dalton certain games where he just is gonna show up as Andy Dalton. He did this in Cincinnati, where that's why he was so frustrating in Cincinnati. You know, they had they had good teams, and he would just you know shit the bed. Not that he shit the bed this week. It wasn't terrible. Two ten through the air and uh, a pick, but. New Orleans defense didn't look great, and again, they got not ran all over. They only got 188 through the ground. Baltimore did, but it was good enough to win the game, and especially when New Orleans got Kamara got shut down. You know, 62 total yards didn't look good. So um, it was a it was a you know it was a weird game, kind of from the from the jump. And once Baltimore got out to a seven nothing start, you almost kind of realized they were going to run away with it too. So. Um, wraps up the uh, the week nine in the NFL season. Um, any any surprises so far? I, I, I guess this is kind of off the cuff, but any surprises so far? Um, you know, basically midway through the NFL season uh, that you have, you know, surprises in teams, players, anything along those lines? Yeah, I mean, yeah, a few things. Um, number one, the Seahawks, like literally. Thought that Seahawks and Houston were going to be the worst two teams in football, and here they are leading one of the toughest divisions in football, and Geno is balling out. Um, Metcalf just came back from a knee injury in like three seconds, so um, yeah, they're they're pretty awesome uh, because they're just a Cinderella story at this point. And then unfortunately, it's in our division. Um, definitely wasn't sure on paper. Both Miami and the Jets looked like they were going to be. Uh, could be, I should say, decent, uh, but you actually have to play the game and be decent, and they're both panning out to be decent. Um, so, unfortunately, we have two surprises that are right here at home in our division, um, which makes it more difficult for the Pats. Um, but, yeah, I think those are my biggest surprises. Uh, how about yourself? Yeah, I would say the division, the AFC East, is legit. I mean, every, every team can win against really anyone. I mean, would you be surprised at this point if – you know the Jets beat Kansas City. No, I wouldn't. You know it's just it's it's that it's uh it's that type of season right now where anyone can beat anyone, but Philadelphia is undefeated. Yep. That that's my that's probably my main takeaway is I've been a Hurts fan uh, since he played in college. The guy went through you know heartbreak. It's tough to say heartbreak. Obviously, he played at Alabama and won national championships, and then went to Oklahoma and was a Heisman finalist and all that stuff. So it's not like he, you know, struggled playing Division two football or something like that. But I mean, he got benched at halftime of the national championship game. Tua came in, they won the game. He sits the next season at Alabama, ends up coming back in the in the SEC championship game, winning the game. Um, it, all the way up until he was a draft pick, no one thought he could play, and now he's essentially the front runner for the MVP. Uh, you know, I mean, Tim, Mahomes, Allen, 
Uh, it's a quarterback award at this point. So you might as well say them three. Uh, and I would even put Geno there because Geno's been that good. But, I mean, Hurts is going to win it if they don't lose. So it's it's cool to see him. Um, it's I My wife's a huge fan of the Eagles, and I've obviously her family is all fan of the Eagles too. So I semi-root for them as well. But, they're I mean, they're a huge surprise. I don't think anyone thought they'd be an undefeated team at this point. Um, and then on the on the flip side, some disappointments. Obviously, Tampa Bay has got to be my number one disappointment. I mean, I don't think anyone thought that, you know, Brady would be running the table or anything along those lines. I just, from a fan perspective, never, you know, you're try, almost like your childhood idol uh, from, from a Patriot standpoint. I never thought I'd see Brady falter. And that, that that's, it's tough to see and definitely been disappointing thus far. Them as a whole, not just Tom Brady. I don't think Brady's been terrible, but the, the team as a whole has been has been bad. I think I think what it comes down to is like Brady actually like I, from the eye test and I'm watching I'm like, damn, this dude's got zing on the ball still like yep. still, you know, good in that aspect. It's just I think it's tough for me because you're asking a guy to kind of do like a a Patriots S thing with like a team that's just not where they need to be to to win and and uh you know dude's gonna get destroyed passing it as many times as he is with a beat up o-line and um yeah it's just it's tough i will say the rams are right there for you know disappointing team coming off a of super bowl to get arguably one of the biggest payrolls in the nfl and they look shitty so yeah um, yeah they do um so we're going into week 10 of the nfl season there's some interesting games um, coming up this week, again, there's another four teams on the bye this week. The Cincinnati, New England, the Jets, and Baltimore all on a bye this week. So I, I wouldn't say it's as tough as last week or even the week previous with uh, you know, the bye weeks for fantasy. But definitely some teams that, that are out there that you, know, you, you have one or two guys probably from their team. Uh, in your starting lineup that you're going to have to switch out, whether it's quarterbacks or you know flex players, that type of stuff. So um, keep an eye on that. But there are there are also definitely some interesting games. So tomorrow night, the Thursday night game is horrendous, per usual. Uh, Falcons play <laughs> Carolina. Uh, the Falcons are favored. Carolina. I don't know who they're playing. I don't know if PJ Walker's injured or if Baker's. Back, they said that they said is. that Walker was going to start. I don't know whether or not that's true, but I think they've moved on from Baker at this point. Yeah, not surprising, but um, yeah, I, I I I don't I don't see how the how the Panthers. Yeah, I don't I don't really know what they're going to do, but um, before the injury to Josh Allen, I would say the game of the week would be the Vikings at the Bills. Uh, now they're talking about Allen. Elbow injury, you know, they don't know if it's the UCL, whatever it is. Uh, you know, it could be a Tommy John type of situation. What, how that's going to unravel? Uh, the Vikings going into Buffalo is definitely a huge game for them. Um, and then one other one that that I was looking at, which again is going to get a ton of coverage, obviously, because it's the Sunday night game. Uh, but the Chargers at the 49ers. Is uh, is an interesting game. The Chargers are five and three. As as much shit as they've been through so far this season, they're five and three. They're right there. You know, they're they're a win away this week from you know being six and three and you know close to tops of that division. And eventually, I would assume that Keenan Allen gets healthy. You know, Mike Williams they said was like a four week, five week injury, so he's still a few weeks out. But 
you know, eventually they get back to, to being healthy and hopefully Herbert can pan out. Eckler's going to stick there. Um, so those are probably the, the two games that I would say stand out the most, you know, for me on my end. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with you on that last one. The Chargers, too, I mean, they're not just depleted on offense. They're depleted on defense. Joey yes. Bosa out and J.C. Jackson out. Those are arguably two players that are hoping were, you know, Pro Bowl caliber guys. Um, they're out. So, uh, there have been a, a little underwhelming going back to the previous question they asked, but I do believe that should be a good game. I also looking forward to the Bucks Seahawks because we need Tom Brady needs to keep rolling to try to lead that division, and obviously the Seahawks. We talked about the division being one of the best in football, and um, Gino is is obviously the guy there. So they're playing in uh, Munich, Germany. So it's a 9:30 start on Sunday, which is going to be you know bright and early. The uh, if anyone is traveling to Germany, the the lowest tickets are four hundred dollars, which is and it seems like a steal. I don't know if you pay that in American dollars or in uh, German Reich or something like that, but whatever their uh, their cash flow is there. Um, the uh, the hierarchy I doubt has changed much on your end, but we'll kind of dive into our top five. Me, personally, even with Buffalo getting injured, excuse me, Josh Allen getting injured, Buffalo losing, um, I didn't I didn't have any movement in my power rankings. So I stuck with Philly at one, uh, Buffalo at two, Kansas City at three. And the reason I kept it that way is Buffalo beat Kansas City. I kind of wanted to move Kansas City up, but Buffalo had that win. Uh, I kept Minnesota at four, and then Dallas coming off the bye at five. Uh, I, I, I just don't see much. I don't see much changing. Philly's got another easy game coming up. Um, I guess again we'll see what happens with Buffalo and, and Minnesota and, and with Josh Allen's injury. But from power ranking standpoint, I wasn't moving them down just because they lost you know a three point game to the Jets. So any movement on your end? No, not moving. Um, Eagles one, Bills two, KC three. Uh, I'm gonna keep. The Cowboys at four, and I'm gonna keep the 49ers right now at five. Uh, they're on by, so um, one more week to practice with McCaffrey and get Debo involved. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm staying there. I mean, again, the Vikings are right there at six. Uh, you know, they could easily you know be in the top five. It'll be a test whether you know uh, Allen plays or not, um, and if the Vikings still can you know uh, get a W if if Allen doesn't play. I mean, yeah, even if, like, we, we talked about off-air, even if Allen doesn't play, I still think Buffalo's going to be favored. I mean, Case you know? Keenum, I mean, it's possible. I mean, um, they're Case a good Keenum team. revenge game yeah. at that point, yeah, you know? Exactly. So, the, I mean, the guys will still show up on offense with Diggs and Davis, Singletary. You know, Keenum's won weirder games in his life, that's for certain. Um so week nine, the week nine bets that I had uh, panned out for whatever God-given reason that they did. But um, I had uh, I had five bets in week a excuse me in an uh, episode seven uh, for week nine. I had five bets. So I had the Eagles Texans under. I had the uh, the Bills Jets under. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars money line, the Titans plus the points, and Atlanta plus the points. 
Uh, the Eagles and Texans under pushed. Atlanta pushed because they lost by three. Uh, the other three won outright. Uh, so a three, three win week, no losses, two pushes brings us to Get it. Uh, 12 wins and 15 losses year to date, which again, definitely still under 500, not looking great, but uh, maybe found something with the unders so far. So um, we're going to play two more this week. Uh, again, we're going to stick with the Eagles under. Uh, they play Washington. I think it's the Monday night game. It it's uh, it's under 44 right now. Uh, it was 45 when I looked at it earlier. So um, it's 44. I Again, I don't – I think the Eagles can go up 10, 14 type of point, you know, four. 10, 14 points type of game and just run the ball a ton and a lot of their games go quick. There's not a ton of possessions because they run the ball so much. Um, On the same front, I'm going to take the Kansas City under in the Jacksonville game as well. Uh, I I thought 50 and a half was really high and maybe Kansas City just runs it up on Jacksonville, but Jacksonville's defense has been actually okay, I thought, most of the game, uh, most of the year. So I took them under 50 and a half. Um, I'm taking Minnesota at Buffalo, again, without knowing what's going to happen with Josh Allen. Um, when I wrote this down, it was five and a half. It's now three and a half. So the Josh Allen news injury today moved at two points just today alone. So I guess more updates will come out. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Atlanta, minus two and a half. Um, again, the Carolina, uh, the Panthers are... I think they're a disaster. You know, we talked about Houston being the worst team in the league. Carolina is right up there as well. They're a, they're a train wreck too. So, um, I guess we'll see how that plays out. But Atlanta, even if they play close games, minus two and a half is not terrible. Um, and then I'm taking Miami. They're playing the Browns at home, and for whatever reason, they're they're only minus three and a half. Uh, I got burned on this last time that I played Miami, and I didn't understand the spread on that Thursday night game. But taking that minus three and a half, I don't think Cleveland's going to keep it closer than that. Miami, especially at home, uh, Cleveland traveling down to Miami and playing in the heat is going to be a little bit different than them playing up north. So um, those are the five and a half of this week, and hopefully, if we have another repeat, we can you know be back up to 500 or you know if not above it after a good week. Yeah, the only other game I have to say that I I might bet if I was a, a betting man would be the Cowboys at Packers. Uh, Dallas uh, is getting four and a half. I mean, four and a half isn't much, and I just the Packers just look so bad, and the Cowboys defense is serious. Coming off coming the bye, too. And they're coming off a bye. So, yeah. um, again, uh, if you wanted to throw a dart, um, uh, I'd pick the Cowboys at getting four and a half. Yeah, yeah, I saw that one, too. I just I feel like Rodgers is due at some point, right? I mean, I mean, <laughs> or, or ours is not going to happen. Or, yeah. And the same thing we've been. I mean, yeah. I, I feel the same way with Brady too. And it's just like I keep every week I watch them, or you know, I, I've started Rodgers. You don't want to bet against Rodgers; he'll burn you. But at the same time, it's just he hasn't, and they don't look good, and his body language looks bad, and he looks defeated. It's just uh, it's a shitty sight. I mean, I I don't I hate Rodgers, but to go out like that, if that is the case. That's not that sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just a um, a quick update. Uh, the Celtics end up beating the Pistons tonight, one twenty eight. Let's to go. Um, Tatum and Brown both had over 30, 34. Brown thirty one for Tatum. Um, they shot pretty efficiently, eleven for nineteen for Brown, ten for twenty for Tatum. 
five for 11 for the three-point line for Tatum, two for six for uh, Brown. But I think the story of the game is Hauser, man, nine for 15, six for 12 from three-point line and finished with 24 points. And he got 31 minutes. So, um, you know, offensively, he's found found his way into the rotation. And uh, he keeps shooting the ball the way he's, he has. And, you know, those defensive metrics are going to go down and the offensive ones are going to go up. Uh, and, you know, we talked off the air, touched on it, you know, briefly. But Celtics were rated the number three offense in the league uh, right now. Um, but they keep putting up, you know, these crazy amounts. Uh, they'll be in, you know, maybe the number one spot sooner than later. It's funny, too, because right before we were, I mean, we were mm-hmm. looking at the box score before we, we popped on and started recording, we were talking about how, how Brown and Tatum, you know, since since night one hadn't had the game where they both play, you know, both play well. And, of course, they combined for over 60 tonight, which, I mean, just is perfect. And, and shooting 50% from the floor. I mean, you, you got your two... Mm, superstars shooting 50% and having 30 a, a pop I mean we're going to be hard to beat yep so um, well that wraps up um, our episode here for this week um, any uh, any closing closing topics or anything that we missed uh, not that I can think of I mean uh, as always I just say thank you uh, for the support for those that listen um, never hesitate to reach out with criticism or questions so we can answer them on the on the pod or or get better or any ideas yeah uh, or ideas yeah Um, but another week in the books and it's a blast so uh, have a good week absolutely catch everyone next week see